This morning, the title of the message, Are You Hungry to See God Move? You see, we live in a world where we all are looking for answers and are very critical. In the United States, we know that two months ago, the Supreme Court just passed a law to legalize same-sex marriage to be legal in all states. As we continue to look around the world, we see many kids being aborted. Yet some, and let me just say this, I love animals just like everybody else, but yet some in the world are up and on because of lion being killed more than human babies being killed every day. Here in our country, we see the struggle with Bahamar, and many more people will soon be without a job. We see the crime situation out of control as almost every single day you open a newspaper it is another murder. In fact, I think we are, if none happened last night that I know of, I think we're up to 96 already for this. One did happen? Two. Two. So we're up to about 98. 98. And this is only August. So the question is for us as believers, what are we going to do to help? The first thing we normally do is we are very critical about our leaders and other people that are in charge of the different problems. Instead, we as believers should go to the source of all power, the sovereign king, God himself, to ask him for answers. In 1857, Jeremiah Lamphere, a businessman, was burdened over the spiritual condition of this day. He did not complain or try to seek answers from a human perspective. Instead, he knelt in the back room of a small church in New York City with a broken heart and had a simple request. Lord, what will you have me to do? After saying this, the Lord God birthed in his heart to begin a businessman's prayer meeting at noon one day a week for an hour. His invitation simply said, come when you can and leave when you must. On September 23, 1857, the first prayer meeting was launched. And as he arrived, he sat alone. And he was the only person to show up. But he did not leave and give up and say, well, God, what are you doing? Why are you wasting my time? But he stayed there and prayed. In fact, after a half an hour, someone joined him. And at the end of that hour, there were six people that joined for prayer meeting. The next week came, and there were 20 people. And by the next week, it was 40 people. By January 1858, three months later, they were in the same building, meeting on three different floors because they could not hold in one room. By March, 6,000 gathered daily in New York, 6,000 in Pittsburgh, 2,000 in Chicago, 4,000 in Philadelphia. Meetings were also held in Washington, Baltimore, Cincinnati, New Orleans, and Mobile, Alabama. On May, in May by May, 50,000 people in New York had trusted Christ for salvation. A newspaper had reported that in New England, several entire towns had come to Christ, meaning there were no unsaved results. It was estimated that for a period of months, 50,000 people a week were accepting Christ across America. By 1859, 18 months after the first prayer meeting, one million people had accepted Christ in the United States. At this time, the population was only about 30 million people. The question for us this morning is this, do you think that something like this is something that we need today in our country? You see, we talk and we hear this word thrown out so many times, 
of revival. But the question for us this morning as a church is, what are we doing to see revival in our country? First of all, what are we seeing to do to see revival done here at Calvary Bible Church? You see, J. Edwin Orr said, no great spiritual awakening has begun anywhere in the world apart from united prayer. Christians persistently praying for revival. You see, revival in this world, like I said, is thrown around. The word is thrown out so much. You see, when we look at our world, we are desperate in need of a God, a move of God. It's only God that can change this world. We as believers need to stop talking politics and start getting broken over the people that we know that they would experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only hope that we have is the gospel. We need to recognize that whether you're FNM, PLP, or DNA, or any other party, first of all, you're the child of the king. You are a child of God. And because of that, you are brothers and sisters of Christ. And then by that, we represent the king of kings, the Lord of lords. We don't represent a color. We represent a king, a savior. He's the name we ought to defend, Jesus. The good news is the same God that worked so many years ago is the same God that can work today. And this morning, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 8 to 14. And this is going to be our text really focusing on Acts 1.14. But starting at verse 8, it says this. And this is just the context. This is when Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples. Um, he's getting ready to return to his Father in heaven. Um, he just appeared to them, and now he's getting ready to go. In verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, and they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount of Col Olivet which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with women and Mary the mother of Jesus. You see, in this text, we need to see Jesus' last word to the disciples. He told them to do what? Go, first of all, to Jerusalem. Go to your hometown. Then go to your enemies. And then go to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel. You see, we need to understand the context right here. Because we have to understand these guys walked the face of the earth with Jesus. This was new for them. They didn't know what to do. It was like... Well, we saw Jesus perform the miracles. We saw him feed the 5,000. We saw him heal the blind. We saw him do all these things. But now what are we going to do? We've never done anything. We've just basically, you know, done, just watched him um, do the things that he told us to do. But they had never experienced. They never knew what to do. And we need to go back to John 16, verse 1. And it says this. I have said all these things to you to keep you from, from falling away. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you 
will think he is offering service to God. Verse 3, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Again, Jesus tells them right before he was going to be crucified that I, have, I am going back to where I came from. I'm going to my father. I just want again, can you imagine for a second, you're the disciples. You've seen all the miracles. You've seen just the power that Jesus had, what he did on, what he did on earth. But now Jesus says, you know what? It's to my advantage that I go, that I leave you. It's better that I leave here in the flesh so that I may send my spirit to live in you. To them, in their minds, they're probably thinking, what, what are you talking about? How can it be an advantage that you're going to leave us? Because they didn't totally understand what was truly going to happen until we see in Acts, 8, Acts 1, verse 8, when Jesus said, I am going to give you this power. So the disciples have been given their task to go and preach the gospel into all the world. Which brings us to our main two points this morning. And they're going to be taken from Acts 1.14. And it says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. The first point this morning is this. There was a desperation and a hunger to see God move. I want you to imagine, and right now we're getting into football season, um, and I want you to imagine for a second a football game. If anyone knows anything about the offensive line, they are there to protect the quarterback. But let's imagine for a second the quarterback calls this play, and the, the offensive line said, you know what, we don't like that play, so we're not going to protect him. When the, when, the, when, the guy, when the quarterback says hike, we just can let everybody go and attack the quarterback, they're going to sock him, and he's going to get hurt. The sad thing is, this is what we do today in the church. We don't defend the name of Jesus. In fact, we make the name of Jesus look very bad. We make him look bad because of the way we say we're Christians, but the way we live. You see, we have the hope and power of Christ living in us through the Holy Spirit, but yet we do more harm than good. As the disciples, they were all with one accord in one place. And that's what it says. All these with one accord. They were together. They were one mind. As we see, harmony did not have to be urged on them. The spirit was within their heart. This is what brought them togetherness. This is what they had to hope in. We have one spirit. We have one hope. We have one accord. The question for me today and for us as a church here at Carry Bible Church is, what would happen today if we, first of all, as Carry Bible Church, devoted ourselves at one accord? That we said, you know what? We want to be one for the name of Jesus. Instead, we see many problems in the church today. We have factions over here. We have problems over here. You know, this one's talking about this one. This one don't get along with that one. How do we expect revival to happen if... In our one local assembly, we can't be at one accord. You see, that's what disciples here are talking about. 
You see, our Lord promises special power to those who agree together and pray together. The influence of a number of witnesses testifying to the same truth is very powerful. When the period of waiting was over, when the Holy Spirit was sent, when all the disciples began to testify, it was an amazing and wonderfully convincing testimony they offered. Dr. Thomas Guthrie said, If you separate the atoms which make the hammer, each would fall on the stone as a snowflake, but welded into one and welded by the firm arm of a quarryman, it will break massive rocks. If you could divide the water of Niagara Falls into just little drops, they would be no more than rain. But in the united body, they plunge over the great, over the, the different tear away the rocks below. You see, the power in that great body of water is almost beyond calculation. When all the disciples of Christ on earth are ready to witness to the power and love of the Lord, there will be an awakening as such the world has never yet seen. You see, we need to, as a church, come together as one. We need to be at one accord. We need to stop having different factions. We need to stop having this thing over here and that thing over there. But we need to be one. Because we share one common goal, and that is to see people come to know Christ as Savior. We are living in a dying world. We are living in a hopeless world unless it starts with us as believers here at Calvary Bible Church and around this country. That's where we find hope. You see, this is a theme not just here in Acts chapter 1. We see this theme throughout Acts. As the church gets started in Acts 2, we see that people, everyone is at one accord. In fact, the people are saying, you know what? I'm going to sell a piece of land because I see you need some help. I'm going to do this. What would happen today if the church did that? What would happen today if we said, you know what? We don't want no one to have any needs. Every need is met because of the love of Christ. That's where people would see a true revival. You see, one accord is actually found 11 times in the book of Acts. And if we know anything about the book of Acts, this is where the church was instituted. This is the, the beginning. The church was all together. One. You know, just thinking of, of me, my wife and I, you know, we always have these, these things sometimes when, even in parenting, you know, one, you know, children, and I know children are in here this morning, but children like to play their parents, you know, if you never knew that. You know, they'll go and ask one parent if they could do something, and that parent will say no. And then they'll go and ask the next parent, the next parent doesn't even know, you know, whether or not that parent already talked to them, and you'll say, yeah, you can do that. You see, we can't even get one accord, sometimes even in the household. But we need to understand that because of the one God that we all serve and we worship, church, we need to be on one accord. The second thing, and the last point, is this. There was a desperation to see God move showed in their attitude of United prayer. It's amazing how God does these things because, you know, for, for me, I've been convicted about my prayer life. Then we hear talking about War Room, the movie. Then this morning I know that the adult Sunday school class, they talked about prayer. It ain't that God has a sense of humor. God just knows everything and he has a plan for everything. He knows what's going on. He knows we need prayer. And as it goes in Acts 114, the second part, one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. You see, this is very important to think about as Jesus left. 
and gave them instruction to go preach the gospel around the world. You see, the disciples didn't just say to themselves, all right, let's go sit in the corner, let's play some dominoes, and let's, you know, do what we got to do. Or let's just go back to our jobs. You know, because that wouldn't be a bad thing to go back to their job. They got to provide for their families. They got to do these things. But no, the disciples did the best thing they could do. We are going to go pray together. We are going to be united in prayer because this is the thing that we need to do. We need to ask God, God, what do you want us to do? What is it that you have done that you want us to do? You have given us the spirit. What do you want us to do? See, prayer is something that if if the majority of us, including myself, are honest with ourselves, we need to do a better job of. Not to mention prayer by ourselves, but here we are talking about prayer meeting, united prayer. You see, notice they were desperate to see God move, so all they knew what to do was to talk to God. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. So what did they say? Let's get together and talk to God. Let's pray together. People always say, if you want to see the church empty, call a prayer meeting. Because normally not many people show up. It's because I think that prayer is, you know, we think prayer sometimes is boring. But we must recognize that prayer is the only thing that changes lives and changes generation when God's people earnestly call on his name corporately. If you look at every revival in history, it all came, first of all, because of the word of God, but in prayer, united prayer. You know, we used to sing the song in Sunday school years ago. Read your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. That's the only singing you'll ever get from me. But we shrink. But you read your Bible and pray, you will grow. It is standing as a church, united church. We can preach up here every Sunday. We can teach. We can hear good messages. We can go out and read our Bibles. But if we aren't corporately praying, we're not going to see much change. We're not going to see much change. Because we need to go to him for the answers. As we think of, the, as we think of this, these verses, we can look at three words. Unanimous. And it says they were all together. Here's an overlook secret of the early church. Over and over again, Luke stresses that what they did, they did together. All of them. United and unanimous. Yes, we should pray ourselves. We should have quiet time. In fact, we should find a special place to get alone with God, as Jesus did many times through Scripture. But we need to pray. And for most of us, true prayer begins as we cry out to God from the depths of our soul, when we truly cry out to Him. But that's not the only type of prayer here that that the Bible mentions. There's a time and place for God's people to come together unitedly and unanimously. To cry out to God. Too often it takes a major tragedy. I mean, you can imagine all through history when 9-11 came, we have these big prayer meetings. You know, it always takes big tragedy. But why we got to wait on tragedy at the church to come together and pray? Why we got to wait for catastrophes to come for us to pray? I've always wondered this question. And, you know, I don't know what the Lord has in mind. But I would have a question for Calvary Bible Church and ask it for you. The Lord forbid, but it's his will, whatever he wants, if a hurricane came and wiped out this building, would Calvary Bible Church still exist? 
Or do we just come because of the building? You see, we still have God. He's in control of the church. He's the one we worship. He's the reason we, he's the reason we should meet together. Would we still meet? Would we still be united? Why is united prayer so important? The answer is by praying together, we can encourage one another. Even in times when people get tired and weary in those times of prayer, when they don't have no, nothing else to say, someone else can always pick it up. You know, in fact, this morning in our Sunday school class, we looked at Nehemiah. And we talked about reading, in fact, this morning we talked about reading the Bible. And as you know, in, in Nehemiah's day, he read the Bible in, in Nehemiah chapter 8 from early in the morning till midday. All he did was read. How many of y'all would go home if, we, if I just said, you know what, we just could read the Bible this morning? Us, you know, I, know I, I, might be, I might be one too. I'd be honest. But you know what? This is sufficient. God is sufficient for us. And talking to him is sufficient for us as well. The question for us is, do you have anyone or any group with whom you meet on a regular basis to, for prayer? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it. You're missing out on a large part of what God wants us to do. He wants us to pray together. Second word is harmonious. Luke talks about a Greek word here that basically means singing in a choir. Everyone striking the same note. We all know that if we listen to a choir and sing and the music sounds very lovely, and then if I join the choir, you'll hear this voice that will sound very horrible. It will say, it'll make almost the whole choir sound bad because of that one voice. But here he's talking about being harmonious. He's talking about being all together on one accord, one note. No one coming to prayer meeting for an agenda. No one coming to prayer meeting to gossip about someone else. You know, brother, what happens sometimes at prayer meeting, right? We got prayer requests, but they turn to gossip sessions. We talk about people and say, boy, yeah, you need to pray for so-and-so. Yeah, I heard that too. And, you know, the list goes on. But the disciples didn't have that. They were there for one purpose only, to pray to God, to earnestly seek him and say, God, what do you want us to do? You have given us this agenda. You have told us what you want us to do. Help us with this. You see, when people don't like each other, they can't pray together very long. So it goes back to us being one accord, being on the same page, loving each other. And the last word is continuous. They all join together constantly. Our text says constantly, and Darby uses the word continual. We need to understand what this means. This means they were determined. They were determined when they were praying. It was a continuous thing. It wasn't like, okay, we only got 20 minutes. Let's stop now. No, they continued to pray until they really saw what God wanted them to do. As I look around this country and I look around this world, this is what we need to do. We need to pray. We need to pray. What is the importance of this? Acts 2, 1, 12 to 14 gives a pattern for how the church should operate in every age. Nothing never changes across centuries, except we have electronics and things like that. But if we have so much compared to them in, in this time, we have the whole Bible, the whole Word of God today. They only had manuscripts. They only had the Old Testament. They only had small things. We have everything. We know the end. 
There are nearly 2 billion Christians in the world today. We have more than disciples ever had in the form of the Bible. And then we have Christian books. We have all sorts of different you know, things that we can look to. We have many churches. But they had one congregation in the upper room. You see, there's a distinct line between the upper room and every Christian church in the world. And between Jerusalem and Nassau When we read Acts 1, we're to understand that this is what the church is to do. We're to wait on God. And while we wait, we're to gather together and worship and prayer unanimously, harmoniously, and continually. You see, if we want to see revival happen in the bond, we need to stop complaining about everything we see around us. And to other people instead, we need to go to the sovereign king that sits on the throne who has granted the, us the privilege to come boldly into his presence. But yet we need to come on this united level. We all know what happened after this great united prayer meeting in the upper room. The greatest revival on the day of Pentecost. The question is, are we ready for revival today? Many of us say we're ready for revival. Many of us, you know, call on revival. But what are we doing to see revival here at Calvary Bible Church and around this country? You see, we as believers are bringing hope to the dark world because the Spirit of God lives in us. As a form of application, um, I just want to say that the pastors have come together and we pray every first and third Sunday, no, that's second and fourth Sunday, with our wives. And also tonight, you'll have a privilege to come every first and, four, first and third Sunday night at 545. We're having prayer for the family. And let me just be transparent here. I haven't been to one of them yet, but I have been convicted that I need to come. So I will be there tonight. I'm going to be transparent. But as we have heard and we know the war room talks about, families is what's being attacked today. Many single parent homes, many people don't know their parents. We need to do what we can as a church. We need to pray. We need to do what we can for this local assembly and around this country. In closing, I want to read some lyrics of a song that will be played. And I want you just to think about this. Because that, this is what the island of the Bahamas see. What, the question is, what does Nassau Bahamas see from Calvary Bible Church? Do they see a loving congregation that loves each other, that, you know, see people united? Or do they see a congregation that doesn't bring honor to Christ? This is what this, the lyrics of the song say. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives. For you're our joy and prize. To see the captive hearts release. The hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. And we pray that you revive this earth. We are your church. We are the hope on earth. The question is, Carrie Bible Church, what hope are we bringing to this country? The only hope that we have is a spirit that lives in us. And as a psalm play, I want this to be a prayer for us. It's a Celtic song, you know, very, um, you know, if you want to feel like clapping your hands, you can clap your hands. It's Celtic. Um, but listen to the lyrics. The lyrics are going to be shown there for you to read. So please um, look at the lyrics and I will come back and close in prayer. Come set your rule and reign. 
God's kingdom is here. We need to pray for people that are dying around us who are not, don't know Christ. So I challenge you as a church, let's be united. Let's be united in prayer as well, because that's what we need. We need to be in one accord and to pray earnestly for our country and around the world, because that's what's going to change people's lives. And it starts with each individual. We got to make sure that we're right before God. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for how much you love us, that you would send your son to die for us so that we can have a relationship with you. And I pray that you would just help us to just be united. Help us to put away our agendas. Help us to come together as one because we have one common goal, and that is to lift your name up. It is to see you exalted above all. Father, I pray that you would help us as a country to just, that churches would come together that we would put away differences, that we would just come together because we want to see you exalted above everything else. And Father, we pray that you continue to be with us as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.